The message that I have for today is uh, found in Psalm 121, and the title is Guardian Father, Guardian Father. And whenever we think of fathers, <laughs> um, of course, we, you know, we think back to our pr- probably our own father, but what I, I think of in, not only for my own father, uh, I think of his ability. He was always a very strong worker, uh, worked two jobs, worked in the coal mines, worked the farm. Uh, He was always, um, you know, always on time, (laughs) Uh, always had to be be at a certain place at a certain time. Chores had to to begin at a certain time, you know, six o'clock and five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning and five in the evening. Everything began, everything focused around those two times. But whenever we think of, uh, I was writing down some thoughts about fathers, working, providing. My dad was a disciplinarian. My mother would always say, wait until your father gets home. Then she'd chase you around the house with the ironing cord. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So she never caught us. But anyhow, (laughs) it was always wait until your father gets home. And um, discipline, strength, uh, strong hand, firm, (laughs) secure. I, I, I never forget, we used to have a lot of people come through our our home. Uh, my dad, I don't know. I guess uh, we never really talked a lot about his childhood, and I know that whenever he was a teenager or whatever, he got on the train and he disappeared for about five or six years and came back home after that. And we never really knew what happened during those years. But whenever we were growing up, when I was growing up, my dad would always bring people into our house. You know, like he would, whether he, he was, must have known a judge or a magistrate or something in which people would come and work instead of go to prison. They would come to our house. And we'd always have foster kids, foster boys. We had at least 16, I think, that would stay, had, had stayed at our home at one point or another. We had two foster boys that stayed with us for maybe 12 years. And, um, you know, they were just like your own brothers. And, but I never forget this one guy we had. Um, he was a strong-willed, probably 18, 19-year-old uh, individual, and my dad really, you know, again, he would try to help people, always try to give them opportunities to change. Well, I, I don't know if any of you have ever uh, been able to pitch manure in your life. <laughs> well, pitching manure, it may sound like a, a very difficult job, and it is, especially if it's in a stall that cows, calves, have been in for a whole winter. So whenever you would f- empty the pen, they would go, da- would go down about four or five feet, you know, from all the straw you'd put in over the winter. And so it was always a springtime job. Well, this one guy, and, you know, you became, you became one with the manure. <laughs> you became one with the smell. Maybe I should say it that way. You became one with the smell, and you didn't even, you didn't notice it. But this guy, for whatever reason, you know, we knew enough not to go in the house with those clothes on. We always hosed everything off and took in, in one pantry, whatever you would change, and then come into the house. This one guy decided he's just going to go in the house. <laughs> and he walked in and sat down at the table. And he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> he didn't do anything. And my dad was across the table and very calmly or and whatever, said, you know, you need to go um, change your clothes and whatever and come back to the table. Well, 
he decided that he wasn't going to do that. And then, <laughs> and then he, he decided he wasn't going to go change his boots, and he decided he wasn't going to go to the barn again. <laughs> well, my dad stood up, reached across the table, grabbed him, lifted him out of the seat, and said, you either change your, you either change your clothes or go pack your clothes and, poof, and put them back in the seat. He went and changed his clothes. Uh, <laughs> I always remember that about my dad. You know, he was, you know, he was, he was very gentle, you know. He was very gentle, but you couldn't, you know, there, you were expected to do things. But even though he may become angry, you never got out of his graces. And this individual that we were so, <laughs> my dad disciplined, he was not a very good person. It was one day... We were standing, uh, uh, you know, walking out of the house, and in comes this state trooper. <laughs> His state trooper pulls into our driveway, gets out of the car, walks over, and throws handcuffs on this guy and throws him in the car. <laughs> he had been wanted for whatever, and is like, Dad, why do you let these people into our house? <laughs> but that was, my, that was my dad and my mom. They were always just taking care of people, always trying to help someone, um, you would, you know, I, I never heard my dad complain about the, uh, you know, you, you come home from church on Sunday and there would be two or three cars in the driveway, you know. They would just be waiting for, waiting for the McGee's to get home from church so they could have lunch, you know. Instead of going to the restaurant, they came to the farm. So whenever you think of father, I think of disciplinary, I think of strength, I I think of a strong hand. Um, never, um, whatever. Constant, steady, loving, forgiving, leading, praying. My dad always prayed every night, read the Bible. My mother, dad prayed together. Modeling, modeling what they wanted you to be. Encouraging, encouraging, lifting. There were a lot of demands, but... There, were always, there was always this encouragement. There was always the expectation, you can do this. It's not a problem. Uh, there was strength under control. I saw a picture. I would like to get it sometime. It's this little girl. She's probably about three feet tall. Got a little, you know, she's got a little dress on, and it's her winter clothes, you know, and she's leading this horse, and she's got one of these huge, huge Belgian horses, you know, walking behind her and she's got a hold of the bridle and it has its head way down and she's just walking along leading this huge horse you know and I think of that as strength under control there is this huge horse capable of you know lifting crushing but submitting itself to this little child leading it down the path and in our life because we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit and led by God and to become the person that God wants us to be, it doesn't mean we're sacrificing something. We're still that strong individual, just like that horse that has that strength and, and, and agility and power, yet has the understanding to be able to allow a little child to lead them. And sometimes I think of our lives with our children, grandchildren, uh, neighbor kids, you know, you're always, you're always influencing someone. You're always influencing someone. And, you know, you ever take the opportunity to um, just do something, 
for a child. You know, I was, we were at, um, where were we at? Um, it's the ice cream store up at the, up. No. Oh, Valley Dairy. There we go. We were at Valley Dairy, and uh, there was this baseball team came in, and everybody was pushing and struggling for seats at the counter, and there were two individuals who were not capable of getting on the counter, and they didn't fuss, they didn't fume, they didn't push or whatever. They just went up there and stood. So, and I thought, well, you know, that's pretty good. They're not complaining, and they're not pushing other little kids off, the, off of the uh, stool. So I went over to the guy, and I said, here, here's five dollars. Buy those two something extra, because look how good they are. And he looked at me, it's like, what? What? You know, what? What do, you, what do you mean, buy them something? And in fact, the waitress had to come over and, and explain to him what I meant. And then he brought the $5 back and said, here, I don't understand. What, you know, I said, go buy the kids something. You know, that's enough. <laughs> just go buy the kids something. And just doing something good for someone else, what does it do? It sets things in motion. It sets things in motion. It enables us to mirror what God is doing in our life. What is there that we deserve? God doesn't give back to us based on what we deserve, how we've performed. If God did that, we would all be in trouble. In fact, we'd be in such bad trouble, we wouldn't be here because we'd be punished and beaten down and discouraged and whatever. But God isn't in that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't beat us down. He doesn't have to have his own way. He is not so complicated that we can't see him. <laughs> that we can't see him in our, in our faith and in, in his word. I looked up to the mountains, the psalmist says. Uh, and really, it's, it's a psalm here of people making a pilgrimage. They're making this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is way up on the hills, it's up in the mountains. The Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on earth, and, and going up through the, um, the plains of Jordan there, it just, it's a, just a continual gradual and then up into the high hills of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem sets up on the mountain, up on the hill. And the, the pilgrimages, they would come from the plains and they'd come from all over and they would look unto the hills. Why? Because that's their destination. But my strength doesn't come from the mountains. No matter how majestic, how beautiful the mountains may be, and no matter what the mountains may hold, they hold the temple, the place where God dwells. They're beautiful, but the mountains are not my source of strength. My strength comes from God, who made the heavens and the earth and the mountains. You see, I will look and I will see not only the beauty of the creation around me, but I will recognize that my strength comes from God. It's God who gives me strength. It's God who gives me um, the abilities and the power. And he, he places within us, okay? He places within us all that we will have need of. And then, after he places all, there has to be situations to bring them out. And, and we find that the scripture that says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called 
according to his purpose. The problem is we look at this morning, now and this afternoon, and wonder how is this going to be good. (laughs) But you know, God looks at our childhood, our teen, our 20s, all the events of all these times, and he says, look how they come together for good. Think about your life. Think about, I mean, and you sometimes, I must be getting older, because, you know, think back over how we got here, how the, all the events that had to happen for us to be here and to, and to stay here and to, you know, to be involved in the community and be involved with your lives and, and how, that, how these things had to be put together. And the divine problem, the divine in all of this is being able to see that the difficulties were just as important as the blessings. <laughs> the difficulties were just as important as the blessings because they left us know as we look back, this, road, this door was closed. This door was opened. This door was one, we met this person, there we met that person, and we find out how all these things kind of work themselves together. And God is at work in our lives, working these things together. But, you know, we we have to allow the Spirit to speak to our hearts and to take us out of our preconceived ideas as to how God is supposed to do all this stuff. You know, uh, I, I think all of us at some time or ever had a, an idea of what success would be, what it would be like to be successful. And, you know, but what is successful? Being the person that God wants you to be and seeing how God has moved and worked these events around to our lives. My strength comes from God. And you see, the strength that I have comes from the God who made this place. <laughs> My strength comes from the God who set the worlds <laughs> in order and the planets and the stars and everything. He put all this into, into place by speaking it into existence. He has all of these things so balanced that they're not even one one hundred thousandth of a second off in how that they spin and rotate and tilt They haven't changed one bit. They haven't changed a a millisecond or a millimeter in 10,000 years. How did that happen? God put it there, and he balanced it. If God does that with the universe, doesn't he do, can he do it, can he not do it with our lives? And as he is doing it with our lives, (laughs) he calls upon us to have faith that God is going to work God is at work in every situation. He's not the author of every situation, but he is at work in every situation. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. (laughs) You're not going to stumble. Well, I I was on my face a couple of times. It doesn't matter. Because as you stumbled, you found yourself, what, getting up again and going on, and it wasn't really a stumble. It was a stepping stone. It was something that worked out. You know, I, I think of one of the one of the biggest, as I thought, it, I thought it was biggest opportunities that I would have had in my life as far as staying in the area and being a chaplain and you know ministering to people. 
I thought it was going to be with the, uh, a job at Connemaw as being the head of uh, pastoral care and all that was going on. And I went through all of the process, you know, put in the application, talked to all the right people, you know, knew the right people in the right places and, you know, all this, and they had 50 people or whatever, 25 people. Then they had 10, and then they had five, and then they had three, and then they had one. They told me I had the job. Yes. The next day, they called me and said they changed their mind. <laughs> they had somebody else in mind. And they went through the whole process of evaluating again because they changed their whole perspective. You know, and I thought at that time, this can't be right. I think, I know, uh, God wanted me to have that job. I know he wanted me to have that job. And all that, but you know, it wasn't long after that, maybe six months later, I had my first surgery on my back. And then I had, a little later, I had a second surgery on my back. And it was in those places, I had cat time. <laughs> I was paid to be off on a catastrophic leave illness because I had all that time built up at Wimber, I would have never had a day or a couple days only at Conomo. And while I was off, that's when I really started to focus on putting things together to write a book. And in reality, it was those, the back surgery that set the time off that set in motion the idea of trying to write a book. And the outcome of that is still out there in front of us. But it's still, we see how that as you're going through it, you know, laying in the hospital with staples in your back, you know, and Rhonda Pryant trying to put press and seal over my face. I thought that was funny. You know, whenever you had the back surgery, you couldn't let it get wet. So we'd put press and seal on it, you know. She'd want to put it on my face to help me relax. <laughs> eh, well, but anyhow, my guardian God was watching over me. <laughs> and how that our guardian father has a plan and a perfect, and how that it all comes together. And that God is going, we are going to see when life is over, we are going to see how God has brought everything to a a conclusion to a purpose, to a plan, everything. And that's why we as his children believe that God is at work in all things. And if we would but be thankful in all things, we would find that our attitude in dealing with these things becomes different, and so they become less strenuous and strain, you know, it doesn't create the strain in our life. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you. He's right there, you know. If, you're, if your child was, you told your child not to climb a tree, okay? Don't climb that tree out there, okay? They climbed the tree. While they're climbing the tree, they slipped and they're hanging on for dear life, okay? And they're hollering for you, Dad, come and get me, Dad, come and get me. And you go, well, I told you not to climb that tree. <laughs> you know, Did you, didn't you listen to me? Dad, help me, I'm going to fall. Well, just wait a minute now. <laughs> Did he get all of his chores done? <laughs> Is he getting along with his brother or his sister? 
Um, is um, his report card up to, ba- up to date? <laughs> what happens? We don't go through the history, the lineage of all these stuff. We would run to our child so that they wouldn't fall and hurt themselves and be killed that they wouldn't be hurt because of the compassion and the grace and the mercy that's in our lives. We would change and we wouldn't be checking out their past. When you pray, when we pray, God isn't saying, well, David, you remember when? (laughs) David, you remember how that I told you to go this way and you didn't? He doesn't do that. He doesn't sit there and bargain with us. He's God, (laughs) And he loves us more than we could ever imagine. And so he wants us to come to him and believe that his word is true. And that as we look under the mountains and look under the situations, the situations aren't God. They're just part of the landscape. God lives within our hearts. He's your guardian right by your side. He is shielding you from sunstroke. (laughs) He's your shade when things are hot. He is your heat when things are cold. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. I think of Job. Job, God says to, you know, Satan and God are having this conversation, and God uh, says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, yeah, of course, he's perfect in every way because you got him protected. (laughs) But you see, Satan could not touch him without permission. And every time, if Satan himself comes up and tempts and tests our life, God has promised a double reward. (laughs) And that's what happened to, to, to Job. Everything that he lost, he got back double. And you see, in our lives, it's this type of encouragement and understanding that the devil himself, no evil can touch you. No evil. No evil can touch your life. you got to open the door, and you got to walk into it, but God will never allow it. It's not his will, his grace, his mercy, that. So we are there, and even in that situation, God, I, th- I see how God has protected. I remember my brothers, uh, they were not the most... They grew up in the church, and there were some very difficult things happened in the, the church that I grew up in, and my three brothers basically walked away from God and the church, but my mom never stopped praying for them, and all three of my brothers that walked away always all came back to their faith. And the difficulties came. But it was in the difficulties that they found their faith again. And it, is, it isn't that, it's that we have a responsibility not only to pray for one another, but to believe that God is going to keep our lives and he's going to bless our lives and he's going to hold us and shelter us. He's going to be our guardian. He's going to be our keeper. He's going to be a very present help in time of trouble so he's not gonna well dave uh, did you pray (laughs) have you been really good 
Uh, I'm going to save you from this accident, but I've got to wait a minute to see if you were... No, God's there. He's never so far away as to be just near us. He will be there by your side to protect you. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and he guards you always. It means that going out, coming in, sitting down, standing up, walking around, running around, he is your guard. He is a very present help in every situation of your life. Not only when trouble, but in good things, in decisions that have to be made. God is there to keep us, watch over us. <laughs> he is our Father, our Father, who watches over us. My Heavenly Father watches over me. Amen? Amen. All men, guys. Come on down. <laughs>